Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good, Bruce. That was <laughs> the Oilers. I mean, my team wins two games in a row. They play six nothing and eight two. Um, I'm doing good. That was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't live and die with the Oilers like I did when I was a kid, like or, or even mm-hmm. in my twenties and thirties and maybe forties, most of my fifties. I don't. I just. I. I don't have that kind of in. You know, that kind of ego involvement with it anymore. But I, I'm still pretty darn involved, and um, that was really good. That was really, that was uh, Graybeards Incorporated, Bruce, getting the job done with a lot of young guys chipping in too. Um, but this is a veteran team, and and McDavid and Drysaddle are now veterans, and we're seeing that in this playoffs. They're they're playing um, they're playing their best playoff hockey. I don't actually Leon had a Leon still hasn't you know. He's he's got a, a little bit bit of a ways to go to meet meet 2017, but he, he's starting to get there tonight, and he took a big stride, that's for sure. Especially early in the game there, um, Bruce. Let's uh, do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it was a big orders win, we'll do two good things each. And you shall start it off. What was your first good thing? All right. Uh, I, well, I'm going to single out uh, Zach Hyman tonight. Uh, I was going to go with McDavid, but we go with McDavid a lot, and he, you know, we expect we, he does he does superhuman things on an ongoing basis. Uh, but uh, Zach Hyman did Zach Hyman things on an ongoing basis, and tonight that included putting the puck in the net two times, uh, once by going uh, uh, directly to the goal mouse and converting a, a power play feed from McDavid. Uh, on the Oilers' only power play of the game in uh, uh, in the part of the game where the outcome was in doubt. Uh, and they converted that, uh, and uh, promptly so. Uh, and then Hyman made a second, uh, scored a second goal, a big one, made it 4 nothing uh, in the second, with Kings kind of pushing play, and he took uh, Dreisaitl's long feed uh uh, from the defensive zone and made uh, one of his becoming patented solo rushes, Hyman. He really has the uh, blinders on as he goes towards the net, and sometimes that's a bad thing, but sometimes it's a good thing. It's like he has a, you know, he's got a huge magnet that's dragging him in towards the net, and he drags everybody in with him that's trying to stop him too. And uh, and uh, he had a, he had an option, but he just let fly and put the puck. Uh, uh, past Jonathan Quick, and I think that was the one that drove Jonathan Quick from the net. It correct, Bruce. It was, and so that was uh, 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 fourth time this year the Oilers have uh, blown out a goalie, and this is the first time they just they never surrendered the lead thereafter. They just uh, rolled to victory, uh, and then Hyman also got a primary assist on somewhat of a broken play on Nugent Hopkins' first goal. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, where Bouchard actually made a really nice kind of slap pass at the that uh, Hyman captured at the blue line, held it long enough for Yamamoto to clear the zone, and then he took it in, sort of sawed off a battle, and then Nuge came over and cleaned up the the puck, and it didn't look like much, and then Nuge himself won a couple of battles and and came off the boards and 
took it into the slot <clears throat> and fired her home. But uh, so two goals, one assist uh, uh, for Zach Hyman in tonight's game. And I just thought a strong effort front to back, six shots on net, uh, a hit, a takeaway, and really nothing uh, negative on his uh, statistical uh, summary at all, to my knowledge. And I, I haven't reviewed yet the distribution of scoring chances. Maybe you got him at fault on something. Uh, I, I I can quickly check yeah. here. Um, yeah. 18A, nothing. Okay. 18. Well, there you go. 18A, that would be against. Right. Yeah. All right. Bruce. Um, Way to go, Zach. Nice game. Really, truly. And the second goal, I just loved. I loved the move that he made. First of all, Drysaddle, brilliant winning of the puck. He just slams the puck off the guy. And he makes this kind of Andreas uh, Hector of a, Andreas Athanasio. Then he makes this Hector of a of a pass, perfect weight on the uh, mm-hmm. pass to Hyman, yeah. who can skate onto the pass. But then yeah. Hyman made a he made a brilliant uh, play. And, I, and I've been saying all year long, and since I first saw him and have been watching him regularly, I've talked about him being the master of puck protection. Yep. And um, which is a lot to say on a team with Leon Dreisettle. Leon Dreisettle is fantastic at puck protection. Mm-hmm. And as is Hyman, they're both really, really good. Must be just hell to play against those guys. The load that they're putting on you constantly, that pressure. Anyway, the, the move that Hyman made to cut off the Kings player just with a quick rub of his body, like to get puck position on him. He he went inside, you know, inside the sweater, as they like to say, I think, and mm-hmm. and, and um, rubbed the guy out against the boards. There was no way the King could get the puck and Hyman then broke in on that. That was a great play. You know, and the, and the goal, it's the first goal that he scored on the power play, this was the Oilers' second goal. That was a McDavid's pass. It was like a glittering pass, like a string of diamonds. And there, Hyman's at the end of it for his little pot of gold tap in. It was it was such fine skill that it, it's it must be. And, and it was started off actually by Tyson Berry with a great mm-hmm. fake slap shot and a beautiful pass over to McDavid. So um, there was three, you know, well, two exceptional plays, and then Hyman has the easy play. But um, since McDavid, I, I want to give an honorary mention to McDavid because that first goal, Bruce, yeah. him yeah, and Leon, yeah. that first yeah. goal was such a force of nature. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's like a it's like a thunderclap. A lightning bolt went off, and a huge thunderclap and wiped out the Kings crowd when that happened because it, it was such. An explosive play and and such high skill play mm-hmm. that you just think like what are we up against here, you know what is this you know it's like a herd of five hundred elephants coming at you and there's just no stopping it it's irresistible that kind of skill power, un, unreal goal, and that's the definition of the orders right now is is these two players playing at the peak of their abilities with an absolutely with the strongest supporting cast we've seen at Edmonton. Um in decades so bruce that my was, first good thing will be the support go ahead sorry i was gonna say that was the four on four situation where uh yeah uh brendan lemieux wrenched tried to wrench uh, brett kulak's head off and uh kulak got a penalty for getting his head wrenched off i think they called it even but anyway that worked out in the end because the orders on the second shift of the four on four they uh woodcroft threw out the big boys and uh L.A. had one chance, and when it didn't go in, they were in trouble because it was a two-on-one against, and uh, uh, Leon powered through a check. He was going to draw a penalty there because he, he was fouled, and that even the foul couldn't stop him from burying that perfect feed from uh, 97. 
such a powerful hockey player, Leon Draisaitl. What a, what a dramatic thing to see him rushing up the ice like that. Those guys were just so fast thundering up the ice. It was it was awesome. Um, my good thing, my first good thing is part of that supporting cast. It's Evander Kane, who scored uh, three goals tonight, and um, I think two of them came on Cal on the what we call the Californian. That's the the shot from the point that. Uh, that, that goes in the net. I guess not, they weren't really, they're kind of semi-Californian. Zebra's kind of rebound shots. Well, the one of them, yeah, both of them were rebound shots and fantastic uh, goals in, in that regard. Just um, him going to the F and net, like, and uh, being right there, winning pucks on the board and, the, and going to the net and being there in the first play, especially he made a kind of a very athletic move in front of the net to kind of reach for the puck and, and tap it in on the rebound. And the second one was another CC shot from the outside that just came to him and, and he, and he zapped it in. Uh, what was Chipped the, it up and over? Yeah. That, what was that was, the, that was good hands by, uh, uh, by Kane there. Cause, uh, the new goalie had just come on Cal Peterson and, yeah. uh, he, he was able to, get air under the puck like he didn't fire it but he got because he got it up and over it kind of just fluttered into the net and he knew it was in before it ever reached the goal line you could hear him yell and there the the last goal of course came in the last tw 20 seconds of the game mm. and it was a great absolutely <laughs> great horizontal dart uh by from nugent hopkins over to kane who just harpooned it in and uh, you know again just sublime skill from two support players on the yeah. team not not the stars of the team, right. but these are the support players on this team. The mm -hmm. last thing I want to say about Kane in terms of how he played, um, he is the toughest and most fearsome player on the Edmonton Oilers since probably like, there's been a few this this century. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Sheldon Surrey and Chris Pronger yep, also yep. had the same aura. Um, mm -hmm. Arguably Ethan Morrow, but I don't really think so. I think it's there's something different about Kane, Pronger, and Surrey. Just an element of menace that the, I think mm -hmm. that you could actually feel the other players experiencing yeah. on the opposition. When he and yeah. you know Kempe decided he was going to rough it up with with Kane, and Kane just face washed <laughs> him, head <laughs> head smashed him, punched mm -hmm. him, just roughed him up like he was a child. And Kempe had no response. Right, he wasn't expecting that. I don't think that he was going to get treated like that because he thinks, you know, in the, the modern NHL players think they can get away with a lot and they often do nope. not against Evander Kane. And he <laughs> is a, he is a menacing player to me. He has changed the complexion of this team. He and, and I, I think he and Smith, maybe Keith, I don't know how responsible Keith is, but there's a, there's, there are some really older, you know, the gray beard players mm -hmm. we've talked about them. I do think they're making a difference. And Kane leading the way because these guys are fierce. Smith is fierce. Kane is mm -hmm. fierce. And that ferocity goes a long way in the playoffs. It was a big mm -hmm. ingredient of the 1980s Oilers, as you and I know. It was a huge ingredient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it and it's been 100%. a missing, missing ingredient. And I don't think with Kane, this this kind of turnaround happens this season. And I don't think we see these kind of this kind of swagger and this kind of performance in the playoffs without Evander Kane. He's been it's been huge. The Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, well, so far in the playoffs, Evander Kane has five times as many goals as the Calgary Flames. <laughs> that should have been your number. <laughs> That's good. Five to one. Where did I heard that before? Hmm. 
Must be something. Oh, I just <laughs> loved it. Last, last night. I love that. Bruce, what's your second uh, good? I, I am going to go with Cody Cece. And he had a he had a big night on the score sheet. He had uh, he had three assists, uh, two of them primary assists. In fact, he set up all three of Evander Kane's goals. Uh, two of them with outside shots that uh, Kane was, as you described, able to convert inside, uh, and another on the last goal where it was he who got the puck down into the corner for Nugent Hopkins to make the pass. Uh, plus four on the night. And this was a game where, uh, uh, sorry, where uh, uh, CC had a, a nice edge, uh, 27 to 18, and uh, a shot attempts 13 to 9, and shots on goal. So basically, 60% of the shots went Oilers' way. This was a high event game where the Kings were generating lots of cha- lots of shots, and. Uh, the CC nurse pairing wasn't perfect, especially I I thought not nurse tonight. I thought CC didn't give up a whole lot. No, but, he didn't. Uh, but nurse uh, um, uh, and still struggling. Nurse struggling a bit for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, um, I thought CC was the stronger man on that pairing tonight, and of course they they're. Uh, uh, they're playing big and important minutes, of which tonight he played. I just ran in my stats when we started this. Uh, 22 minutes, including uh, uh, four, almost five minutes on the penalty kill. So, which did allow one goal. But uh, he, uh, I thought he was a, a pillar of strength on the back end for the most part of this game, and and uh, uh, put up some. Uh, Gaudy boxcars, oh three three plus four is a pretty good night's work for anyone. He has become, as the season's gone along, one of my favorite Oilers, mm-hmm. and if not my favorite Oiler, and it's kind of a weird thing to say that Cody Cece is my favorite Oiler, but I think all beer league hockey players have what I call a spirit Oiler, mm-hmm. and yes, it's kind of the player. Oiler. It's the player they emulate. They, mm-hmm. they, because I'm a, so I'm at a right, I'm a, don't have a right shot, but I'm on the right side playing defense. And I really do admire the way he plays hockey. His positional play, after having been criticized for that savagely early in his career, his positional play is exceptional. He's rarely caught out of position. He's a really smart hockey player. And all his skills are kind of slightly above average. You know, he's, he's, average size maybe a little bit above average size he's um his his passing is about average maybe a bit of above average his shot the same thing but his positional play is way above average now he is a he is a high iq hockey player rarely caught out of position you know he's just there he's always there you're not going to find him making these glaring mistakes darnell nurse made a couple of them tonight Mm -hmm. and was out of position uh, you know, Darnell's still, I think, recovering from his his uh, leg injury. That's how I see it. He's looking a little better to me incrementally mm-hmm. each game in terms of his skating. But he had some good moments. I mean, Darnell wound up the night plus four as as he did. CC. So, you know, I mean, at least on the that's very much a surface stat. Some nights, just what how how many pucks happened to go in the two nets while they were out there, and sometimes it's more good luck than anything else. Because uh, Nurse had no no points and no shots on goal, so pretty pretty rare uh, uh, blank slate for him offensively. But uh, uh, he did have four hits and he did uh, 
He was uh, hitting tonight. So did, yeah. Block three shots. I still am. I have very mixed feelings, as in mostly negative feelings, when I see him go down on one knee in the slot. And it cost him again tonight on the on the power play goal, where he's down on one knee off to the side, and there's a guy just, I think it was Dano, jamming home the rebound because nobody's standing up trying to trying to take him out of the play. It doesn't seem to work, does it, Bruce? No. Like with, when Russell goes down, at least he makes the play half the time, mm-hmm. 75% of the time, 80% yeah. of the time. Darnell, he goes down. He does. He makes the play like a third of the time. It doesn't work for him. He's the much. It goes around him. Yeah, because because he's he's just better on his feet. He mm-hmm. he's taken away his biggest advantage as a player when he gets right. off his feet. And uh, I agree with you. I don't think it's a good play. I'd rather that he get away from it. So uh, anyway, we moved away from C- your praise of yes, CC. Yeah, my I, praise is of CC, and and I mean the pairing obviously had a big night, and I thought CC was the driver on that pairing, and he. You know, not brilliant offensively, but he was rewarded for uh, for getting the puck to good places and to good teammates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my second good thing is Mike Smith. Um, he shut out last game, this game, two goals against. So the Kings had 46 shots. Oh, the Oilers man. had 37. But when it came to grade A shots, it was 19 to 11 for the Oilers, according to our preliminary count. Mm-hmm. And uh, for um, five alarm shots, it was 10 to 5 for the Oilers. So the quality of shots was much more difficult for the Kings goalies than it was for the Oilers goalies. There was more volume of shots. Nonetheless, Smith faced 11 grade A shots and five five alarm shots, and he just let in the two goals and 46 shots overall. They can all go in. So he was, again, strong. He was strong, uh, generally strong, moving the puck. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's unorthodox. He's a show in the net. There's some Paul Mateer kind of moments of him flailing about. But um, he is really playing, providing the orders with some solid goaltending. And, um, you know, there's, there's been goalies in the 40-year-old goalies in the past who have had real success in the playoffs. Um, Johnny Bauer, Jacques Plante. I had a lot. There's a couple. Dominic Hasek. There's been some 40-year-old goalies who have gotten it done in the playoffs. Martin Brodeur, I think, was 39 or 40. Gump Worsley. Gump Worsley. So um, most of them are a little while ago when we were young. But mm-hmm. uh, Brodeur being the latest the latest one, although uh, Hasek was in, uh, I think, 2007 where he had, or 2008 where he had some success. So... It's not unheard of for an old goalie to have mm-hmm. success in the playoffs, and he's having it right now. He's he, after a kind of wretched mistake in that first game, he's been really good. Lester Patrick, there's an old goalie that had success in the playoffs. George famous, Hainsworth, famous legendary moment uh, for Lester Patrick. But uh, Mike Smith, uh, as you say, you know we only had uh, <clears throat> our five five alarm chances out of the forty six. But Mike Smith stopped an awful lot of grade B chances tonight. Yeah. And I don't think he let any in. And uh, there was a lot of fighting through screens. There was, I mean, L.A. Yeah. was really bringing it physically, and they were really trying to crowd the crease. They were really trying to lay it on uh, Edmonton's defenseman. Uh, uh, and uh, just trying to bring, amp up the pressure. And I thought Smith dealt with that really well. And he uh, he froze the puck a few times, and he was right to, to freeze it to sort of 
at least let the boys grab a breath of air, even if they were seemingly sure to lose the next D-zone face-off anyway. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, uh, I just thought he was he, he was really solid behind them in this game. And one or two sort of nervous moments uh, where his passes didn't go right where you wanted, but there was no dangerous shots that resulted from them. It just a couple times you see him scrambling back in the net and you're going, oh, oh. but uh, nothing came of it. And, uh, and lots of, lots of good sort of clean, safe handles in there as well. So he, yeah. uh, uh, he was strong. He's going to get a good grade from me. The Kings were trying to take advantage of his puck handling. I think they were trying to pounce on it uh, mm-hmm. and pounce on the players he was passing to. And there was a few iffy moments. Uh, once when he passed to Tyson Berry, I can't remember exactly what happened after that, but it, that didn't work out too well. He, right. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, good for Mike Smith. And who who would have thought a month ago we'd be all, or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, it's early May. It's about a month ago that he turned his game around. It was April, early April, April 2nd or 3rd. So it's only been the short time period this year where he's really been strong. But has he ever been strong in that time? Bruce, what is your bad thing? Oh, my bad thing is the second half of the second period, and there's a very sharp dividing line here where the Oilers scored to make it 5 nothing at 9.51, and the Kings scored to make it 5-1 at 10.07, but it just happened to be on the other side of the 10-minute mark. But they made it 5 nothing, and then right away they had kind of a slack shift where, uh, where Leon got beat by Kopitar, uh, Nurse couldn't decide if he wanted to, to do anything, and he wound up sort of being frozen in place while Kopiter went right to the net front and, and roofed it. And I thought that was just a little bit sloppy, and then the whole rest of the second period was nervous energy time. I mean, for an 8-2 to two game, David, i got to say, I expended an awful lot of nervous energy watching this game. And... I mean, when it was 5 nothing, and it was suddenly 5-2, and then the Kings got another power play before the second period is over. And I'm sure I and every Oilers fan over the age of about 48 was remembering the miracle, or what I call yeah. the debacle, on Manchester, where the Oilers had a 5 nothing lead in L.A. in Game 3 in a series that was tied 1-1. to And I'm just going, no, 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 no. And I couldn't Wasn't wait it? for them to get the sixth goal, and it took... Finally, before they got it, I was starting to relax. It was still 5-2, and the clock was ticking down, 10, 9, 8, 7. I'm thinking, I think they got it under control. When Nuge scored to make it 6-2, I yelled. But there was a time in this game where really, I mean, two times, late in the first, really, and and especially late in the second, where uh, uh, they were losing a lot more battles than they were winning, and it just was a... Uh, Just, you know, a little bit of a lapse and and obviously a push by the Kings and credit to them for coming up with those pushes. But uh, the pushback was a little slow in coming from the Oilers in that part of the game. So, and as eight to two games go, I mean, bad things aren't going to be that bad. But uh, uh, this made for some nervous moments. Was the miracle on Manchester? Was it five nothing in the third period? Where the it was Kings five scored? nothing after the second period. Yeah, and the Kings got five in the third period. Gary Unger took a five-minute major with exactly five minutes and zero seconds on the clock, and the Oilers leading five-three, and uh, they tied it up with five seconds left, five-five, and it was all everything was fives, and then uh, uh, Daryl Evans got the winner in overtime. Off a face-off and roofed yeah. it over. But mm. all of the they showed them tonight, and all of the goals were just absolutely miserable 
like the defending, the goaltending, everything just came went fell apart at the seams. And tonight that didn't really happen. Certainly the goaltending didn't, and the and the defense bent but didn't break. I think is probably the best way to put it. Man. McDavid and Kane are now tied for the lead in NHL scoring in the playoffs. It's early on, obviously, but six points in three games tied with Mitch Marner. Wow. And in t- tied for second place with four other players is Evan Bouchard with his five assists. Five points, yeah. He and Keith are really playing well. Um, mm-hmm. oh. Really been impressed with uh, that pairing yeah. this playoff season. Uh, my bad thing, Bruce, is, is it, it's there wasn't a lot bad this game. Mm-hmm. Um I was actually more relaxed after the four nothing lead. I was pretty relaxed at that point and uh, never really mm-hmm. got too worked up. <clears throat> but um, I don't know if he got benched after this, but in the third period, about halfway through, Ryan McLeod <laughs> made a play that he's, I'm sure he went to the break back to the bench and just said, I, I'm sorry. Uh, he got the puck behind the Oilers net and he stick handled it in front of the net, took it out in front of the net. And then he tried to stick handle a player around a player right in the um, in the defensive slot, or the Oilers' defensive slot, and he got stripped of the puck, and it was uh, that was at 15:07 actually of the third period, and it led to a five-alarm chance uh, after McLeod got stripped of the puck. So it's not often you see a play like that. Um, it's very rare because <laughs> guys don't make that mistake very much, but he made it, and uh, I'm sure he's feeling pretty bad about it. He tried to deke a guy, eh, in the, in the yeah. defensive slot. Tried to try to yeah. make a move around him and tried yeah, to deke I the know guy. He, he didn't get benched. He didn't. Eh? Uh, Good, no. I'm glad he didn't. He he no. shouldn't when it's that. In score. fact, he played eight shifts in the third period. But you know, there was the whole game was kind of flowing at a certain point. There, it was hard to, you know, to, to uh, isolate on on any one specific player. It was just more matter of getting that puck going in the right direction and after that blunder i didn't see any more mistakes out of mcleod and no that i'm, I'm, like, I'm liking his mistakes. game mainly and i'm liking his uh, uh i'm liking his buy-in i think he's playing reasonably uh intensely you know he's not a perfect player but he's not shying away and you know that's a big knock on the guys he doesn't go to the tough areas well i haven't had much of a problem with that in uh in these playoffs and, you know, I didn't think he had a particularly good game tonight, but I didn't think he was weak by any means. I agree with you, Bruce. Uh, and I'm just picking on the one play, not his overall mm, performance. Yes. I, I, I think he has played well this playoffs, and I have noticed an increase in, in, in his intensity, and it was needed. He needed to do this to play in the playoffs and, and compete. And we've seen it from Cassian. Cassian's been playing well. Um, Fogel's been hitting. I like that line. I like that fourth. There are four big guys uh, who can hit with if McLeod's hitting, and then he can carry the puck as well. So that that is a fourth line. I'll take that as a fourth line. They you know, like we've talked all year. The Oilers need a bigger players who can bring some energy on the fourth line. Well, here we have it. You know, they're they're doing it, and this is another benefit of of course the Kane signing, right? Because it bumped the forward depth up. And allowed them to move players like Fogel down the down the roster and Cassian down the roster. So yeah, I don't have a. I agree with you. He is playing harder. He's he's in there mucking about, and that's what he's got to do. What's your number, Bruce? Yeah, my number is eleven, and that is the number of consecutive goals the Oilers scored. 
between the beginning of the second period in game two and the midway mark of the second period in game three. That's a span of 70 minutes, during which time the Oilers outscored the Kings 11 to nothing. Sweet. 11 straight goals. And obviously more than enough goals to win two two games, uh, put the Oilers back in the driver's seat. But it's been a long, long time since uh, uh, I've seen them run on a streak that hot uh, with, you know, with no goals against. I mean, Smith made probably 55 saves in that, that span as well in a row to to backstop that run, but 11 goals in 70 minutes is just ridiculous. So, and as an auxiliary number, back-to-back wins by six goals, and I'm I'm trying to figure out a time when the Oilers won back-to-back games by six goals uh, in the playoffs, and I can't. Uh, I know in uh, 85, they beat Chicago 10-5 to in game five and eight to two to finish the series in game six. So 11 goal differential in those two games. I know in '83 they beat the Flames 10 to two in Game Three and nine to one in Game Five. Hard to get games like that, but in between they actually lost Game Four, so it wasn't consecutive beatdowns, but they were, you know, it was one game separating them. I mean, six goal wins are pretty rare, and they put two in a row on the board, and it's uh, and for nice all that, I nice see the offense uh, really. Really breaking through and and uh, and finding holes in not just the LA defense but the goaltending as well and finishing the chances. And and for all that though, this is just a two to one series, and mm-hmm. if the Oilers lose the next game, they're back in Edmonton. Right, a three game series, so it's this is yep. still a very close series in terms of one loss and um, next game. Obviously, well, it's the playoffs. Every game's critical until you, you eliminate the team and move on. I just want to see that happen as soon as possible. I think it's important um, if a team's going to advance deep in the playoffs to get some to get some rest and some to heal up, and that would, would be excellent for the Oilers. But again, looking a little far, far ahead, they just got to see what happens the next game. Bruce, my number is uh, Evander Kane's shooting numbers. So he directed 14 shots at net. 14 oh, shots at net directed by Evander Kane. Nine on net. Nine shots on net. Of those nine shots, six of them were grade A shots. Six grade A shots. And three of them were goals. That's a pretty amazing record of shooting the puck. He he has a nose for the net, as the old saying goes. He is around the net. He's He's like the prototypical power forward winger. He's he's either battling for the puck in front of the net or he's battling for the puck in the corner or he's finding space to get off a shot. And he's really smart about that in finding those quiet spots on the ice um, to get off a good shot. He's a very clever hockey player. And uh, yeah, this was his this was his best game of as an oiler. Everyone's going to be full of praise for Evander Kane, but it is well earned. He just was outstanding. What everybody, but uh, uh, when it comes to the game being played on the ice, it's pretty hard to argue with uh, what Kane's been doing out there. I'll add one other number to your litany of shots numbers, and that's eight hits. <clears throat> Credit wow. to Evander Kane in this game. Eight hits, which is to say twice as many as any other Oiler. So he's yeah. bringing it on that front as well. 
And I, I can't um, recall one where he like totally lit somebody up, but he's just consistently finishing the, the checks and and playing a pretty heavy game. And not too many people are taking runs at him. I, I in writing my pregame post for today, I, I took a hard look at the hits in games one and two, and I published some of the things I saw. Not everything, but one of the things that I saw was in in two games, Kane had 11 hits, and he had only been hit once. So he was the guy that was least likely of any oiler to get hit, even as he was throwing his weight around and hitting other guys. And I don't know if tonight if anybody took any runs at him or not, but he usually comes out on top and he's pretty intimidating in the process. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a, one of the guys you mentioned earlier, Sheldon Surrey. I remember digging into hits and hits taken way back in Sheldon Surrey's time. And other teams were, you know, running Smead, running Gilbert all the time. And 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 Surrey, it was like nobody touched the guy. I mean, he was there, he was slow, you know, the puck would come through him and go through him. And some guys would sort of be in position to hit him and they just sort of uh, do the flyby and not finish the check because they knew if they were going to come in there, they were going to get a taste of the Sherwood sandwich. And, and that was just his way. You know, you take a run at me, you got to run come at me, come right through my stick and, and my fists and my gloves and, you know, and it's not going to be worth your time, so you probably shouldn't be doing that. And, of course, he was protecting himself to a large degree because he'd been so injury-prone. So after a while, he just his natural instinct was. So that's, that's an interesting thing to look with. The hits taken stat, which is not published by NHL.com, but you can find it on sites like Natural Statric, and I find that that one's pretty interesting. Who's getting hit? Who's taking the hits to make the plays? Who's being targeted by the other team? Who's your team targeting? Edmonton's been tar- Edmonton forwards have been targeting LA defensemen in this series, and Evander Kane has been on the vanguard of that charge. Might be a way to kind of measure the me- menace factor of NHL players is the ratio <laughs> of hits given to hits taken. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting. I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at this mm-hmm. for this last mm-hmm. season. That would be interesting to dig into mm-hmm. and to see if someone like Kane, like like who are the guys, the 10 guys with the, the, the highest ratio of right. hits uh, given compared to hits taken. And you might find they're all like scary hockey players, but I, I, I you can't be sure about that until me. you run the numbers. <laughs> so yeah, I wonder with Proctor. Are there like, scary Proctor, or guys like Sergei Zuboff that no matter how many times you tried to run the guy, you never could hit him? Because he's yeah, so damn true. slippery, I just could never get a piece of the guy. But he he doesn't hit much, right? Like Zubov, right. like Gretzky never got hit right. either, right? But he never right. hit, so right. so their ratio wouldn't be. But I wonder, like right. with Pronger, yeah. for instance, right? Pronger threw mm-hmm. a lot of hits. He hardly ever got hit. Mm-hmm. So he did get in the end, though. He got tagged pretty good, as I recall. It didn't make concussions end his career. Yeah, I think he got hit with in the eye with a puck though. If I oh, if my memory it? serves, and and somehow he got a concussion from a from a, a you know blunt force trauma to his eye, and he spent a lot of time in a dark room for the for a long time after that. Like I'm thinking a year. Yeah, where, where yeah. he was, and of course he had a long contract, and he never did come back to play. So it just kind of contract kind of petered out. But uh, by the time the contract was over, he was actually kind of better again i think he's fine now but it uh, it took a while so i noticed um there was lots of people at the downtown arena probably at the in the square there as well so mm-hmm. edmonton's getting pretty excited bruce i'm seeing the oiler flags out on the cars 
it's fun. Like, I, I, you know, it's fun to see a whole new group of people who haven't been through a, a winning playoff year. It's not yet. It's well, it's officially a winning playoff year so far to date. It's still pretty early, but it, it would be nice to see the orders win a few series here and really get this town ignited because it's, it's Edmonton's ready to blow and have a really good time, I think. So, and it's nice to see that happening already at the downtown arena and um, in the, uh, in the square in front of the arena. It's uh, it was a massive project and uh, I think people like going down there for the games and having some fun. Seems so. I mean, it seemed like it was a pretty lively spot in the few clips they showed. Yeah. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, let's. Uh, you got to write the game grades. So I'll let you get at it. Please, so, uh, good talking right. to you tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Mm-hmm.